very excited that today we're going to be starting a new series called The Miracles of Elisha, and I'm very, very excited. So we, most of our time is going to be spent in 2 Kings, because that's where the story of Elisha's life is found, in 2 Kings. But we're going to be hopping around quite a bit in that book, and so it doesn't make sense to call it just a study of 2 Kings. It's, it's, we're going to be focusing on Elisha's life. So would you guys pray with me? This is the most important part of our time all day is prayer and worship and study. Father, we, we come to you, Lord. We're grateful for your love. And Lord, we're, we're tired of a boring life. Lord, we do not want our, our life to just pass and, and fade away and for the end of our life to come. And we look back and think, what have I done? What have I seen God do? Lord, I pray that you would protect us from such a terrible end. I pray that we would see your hand come upon us, Jesus. Lord, not that we deserve it. We are sinners. As great sinners as anyone else in this city. But Lord, I pray that you would give us faith to trust and believe your word. Lord, I pray you would send revival to our city. I pray you would use us. Lord, I pray you would use the, the, the teaching of your word and our prayers, Lord, and even our trials as we go through trials, Lord, that we would trust you through them so that people could see someone that lives in faith. Lord, it seems like every celebrity in our world is faithless. God, we live in a world that, for the large part, does not know or believe that you are powerful and mighty. And God, we, we want to be used by you. So I pray, Jesus, that you would come upon us, you would speak in our heart, that from the youngest to the oldest, Lord, we would know that you love us and that we can be used by you in our world today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So this study is called The Tornado and the Dove. This is an introduction to the miracles of Elisha. Our first verse we're going to look at is Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Galatians 3, 5 says, Therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He who supplies the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by how hard you try, or by faith. Now, this is Paul writing in Galatians. This is way after Jesus. This is the time of the church, and he said there should be a couple really important things going on in your life right now. Every single person in the church, number one, you should have this Holy Spirit just all over you, just dripping off you everywhere. Holy Spirit. Do you have that? You can. How? You just ask in humility and faith, the Holy Spirit, we must have that. And it's supplied to us by God. And then he says, the second thing you should be seeing is miracles. Miracles. Now, there's some churches that go really crazy with this, right? And you see people praying that their teeth turn gold so that they can get rich. And those are not the type of miracles we're going to talk about. 
but miracles nonetheless. We can't minimize the word of God. God wants there to be miracles going on in your life. If you're a part of the church, are you a part of the church? If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are a part of the church. If you believe, you're a part. God wants us to see these miracles. He works them. It's not about you being a miracle worker. That is not what, this is not a course on miracle working for us. We want to see God do miracles. And God is willing to do miracles. And we're going to see 16 miracles of Elisha. And all of them are going to apply to our lives every single one of them, to our life as the church. This is going to be really cool. So we're going to start by asking a question. Do miracles still happen? Oh, that was vocal. I like that. Well, I'm going to read you an article. This is a, an excerpt from an article in Relevant Magazine by Emily Miller. Tanya Marlowe was just six days old when she was rushed to Great Ormond Street Hospital in London one of the world's leading children's hospitals. She was a tiny baby, just six pounds, and she'd suffered a brain hemorrhage. The doctors scanned her brain, and they told her parents that it didn't look good. It was a bleeding out thing. She was bleeding from her brain, and she was going to die. Marlowe says there was nothing they could do. There was no operation they could perform. Even if she recovered, they told her parents she would be a vegetable. She could be severely disabled, and she may never read or write. And so the doctors suggested maybe they should pray. The doctors suggested this. And Marlowe's parents weren't Christians, but they found a nurse who offered to pray with them. The next day, after the next scan, the doctors couldn't believe it. It was completely normal, and it showed a healthy brain with no bleeding and no evidence that there ever was bleeding. And the doctors actually said to my parents, this is what is known in the trade as a miracle. Not only did she recover, but the girl who the doctor said may never read or write went on to earn a degree in English literature, and she now makes a living as a writer in Devon, England. And the miracle also had a profound effect on her parents. It led them to search for the God who had so clearly answered their prayer. And six months later, they both became Christians. When I was growing up, she says, I always had this awareness that God was real, that he did answer prayer, and that he had intervened in my life to save me with a miracle, Marlowe says. A miracle is someone or something outside of space and time that reaches into space and time to affect your life. And it's something that nearly 80% of Americans say that they believe in. 80% believe in miracles. And that's not 80% of Christians, that's 80% of all Americans say they believe in miracles. Why are we going to study Elisha? 
Well, God used Elisha to do more miracles than any other person in the Old Testament. It's pretty crazy. Elisha's prayers were answered by God. All of his prayers were answered by God. He prayed for miracles and they happened. And I don't know about you, but I am craving this in my life, in my family, in my church, and in my city. I am craving for someone to step in and do something for us. I am longing for a fresh move of God. I am not interested in living a normal life at all. I'm disenchanted with the way the world is going and the way a lot of Christians seem to have lost hope in prayer and in Jesus. They believe in a lot of other things and a lot of strategies and plans and studies that, that are in addition to just desperate, dependent prayer. I mean, what's wrong with us saying, I'm just going to pray? I'm just going to pray. I am just going to trust God for a miracle. Why does that sound like giving up? It is a form of surrender, but it's the good kind. Because I believe in Jesus in prayer. I believe Jesus answers my prayers. I believe that I'm in him and he's in me by faith. This is all things the Bible says. And so I want to see these miracles. I want to have the heart of God so that I can pray with confidence for things that may seem a bit crazy. Things that don't make sense except to the heart of God. A lot of Elisha's miracles are crazy. We're going to see just weird stuff. And you're like, why would God do that? I mean, I can, pick, I can understand God raising someone from the dead. I mean, that's a big deal. But some of these other miracles, you're like, how does that make God's kingdom happen on this earth? How does that make a difference? How does that help me know God in a new way or in a, a better way? What's amazing in that is that Elisha's entire life is just one miracle after another. There is nothing except the powerful working of God in, in his life recorded for us. Everything that we see about Elisha is miraculous. And that's why we're going to study Elisha. Elisha lived in a time in Israel's history where they struggled with idolatry for hundreds of years. The entire country was really having this hard time with idolatry. They didn't know for sure that God was the most important thing or that God was the only God they should worship. It, it was a big deal. And I can identify with that because the land that we live in has major idolatry problems, right? In his time, hardly anyone knew the Lord and even a few followed and served God. And God had to do powerful miracles to show both his glory and his mercy. God uses miracles to teach people who he is. 
He always has and he always will use miracles. I have a heart for our city here in Denver that they would know God. And so many of the people around us don't know God, right? You guys know at work, there's so many people and at school, so many people that just don't have a clue of who God is. I want them to know God. And so I, I desire for his power to be displayed. And God loves to do it through miracles. Miracles. He's done it over and over and over again. He likes miracles. You know why? Because no one else can do them. Doctors don't do miracles. They don't. Quarterbacks can't do miracles. No matter how much people pray for them. It's, it's by definition supernatural. And so God, he has a part of him that likes to kind of show off and say, hey, I, I can do this and I will do this for you guys. For those who would put their hope and their trust in me alone, I will come through for you. Do you guys remember Egypt? Back when the children of Israel were there, you see the Egyptians didn't know the God of the Jews. They were worshiping Ra and they were worshiping all these other deities, demons. Maybe these demons even appeared to them and so they had a relationship with these demons. They built altars to them. They communicated with them. I mean, this was a big deal. They knew that that was a real thing. They had a plan for the afterlife. They had all this stuff. And so when the Jews come along and say, hey, we got the real God, the Egyptians are like, oh, we know who's stronger. And God showed off, didn't he? God showed up and God showed off. God did numerous miracles so that he could be known by the Jews and by the Egyptians. And the salvation of many people followed, not only the Jews, but it says that many Egyptians went with them because God proved that he was God. When we study Exodus, we'll see that. God loved the Jews and he loved the Egyptians. And so God did crazy miracles for them. And then remember, 40 years later, the Israelites coming into the promised land after they wandered in the desert for 40 years because they didn't really believe all that they needed to about the Lord. They've doubted him. Then they're coming in, and who is in the promised land? Who lived there? The Canaanites. And the Canaanites, they only heard rumors of who God was. And so God, in his love, did miracles. He did more miracles so that he could be known and worshipped there. And many of the Canaanites decided, this is God. I'm going to worship him. Rahab, the harlot, you got so many that decided to become Jews during that time. It's crazy. God loved them. And then Jesus comes. And, and, and the Romans and the Greeks who conquered the world at that time, man, they were idol worshipers. They knew nothing about who the God of the Jews was. And so Jesus comes along, 
and he does miracles. The Romans and the Greeks, they were idol worshipers. The Jews were stuffy religious people by this time. And they just were dead religious traditionalists, man. It was all just a, a game. And God loved them. And he did miracles. God's miracles are a direct consequence of God's love. He loves when we hope for a miracle. He loves us, so he wants to give us miracles. What kind of miracles? What kind of miracles? Money? Gold teeth? Fame? Number one songs on the charts? This is a miracle! Prosperity? Beauty? Well, those would be miracles, especially with the talent among us. We are going to study Elisha to see the heart behind God and his miracles. God's going to do miracles in your life. God's probably already done miracles in your life. Quick, how many of you have ever seen a miracle? Real, legit miracle. Yeah, I have too. I want to know, we're going to learn the heart behind God and these miracles. When we do that, we're going to stop praying for all these selfish things. And we're going to know how to line up our heart with God so that our prayers are just naturally for God's miracles and they're going to come true. We're going to line ourselves up with him. He wants to do miracles more than you want him to do miracles. Some of his miracles would make your life really uncomfortable. And so we're going to learn how to line up our heart with him. So it's not really about what kind of miracle, but the heart and the spirit behind the miracle. And that's what we're going to see as we study all these miracles. We're going to be looking at the heart behind them. So when we read about two bears killing a bunch of children, and God did that, we're going to try to find out why. What was the purpose behind, what's the spiritual lesson behind those things? When people are raised from the dead, we're going to find out why. When oil is put in a jar, miraculously, why? When an axe head floats, why? We're going to see all those things. Well, today, we have to kind of start somewhere. And so we're going to, we, we know that Elisha follows a guy named what? Elijah, right. He came first, and if we had like 40 weeks, we would study Elijah too. But we're not going to, we're not going to, we're just going to focus on Elisha, and you're going to learn why today, and we're going to learn the difference between the two. There, we'll get into Elisha was his student, and then he became the main prophet in the land of Israel. And it's very, very important that we know how these two are connected and how they're different, okay? So I'm going to tell you right now how they're the same. Number one, they were both prophets. They both spoke for God. Number two, they both hung out in Samaria. We'll find out why these are important as we go along. Number three, they both dealt with the same wicked people. In other words, they had a common enemy. A common enemy. 
Number four, Elisha was Elijah's successor. So in other words, they had the same job. They had the same job. Number five, the first miracle of Elijah is the exact same, or the first miracle of Elisha, I knew I would do that, is the exact same as the last miracle of Elijah. They both parted the Jordan River. Number six, they both stood before the Lord. They both stood before the Lord. And number seven, they both raised a dead boy to life, a dead son to life. Now, how were they different? This is the real meat of what we're going to talk about today. How were they different? Number one, Elijah was a mysterious man who just appeared to do ministry, almost out of nowhere. We don't know where his family was from or nothing. While Elisha was just a normal guy with a normal job, and we know all about his family. Number two, the first public act of Elijah was that he brought famine for three and a half years. The first public act of Elijah, Elisha, ah, is he healed springs of water so people could drink. Elijah takes the water away. Elisha brings the water back. Number three, Elijah was lonely, isolated for the most part, like old Yoda. Elisha was always with the younger prophets and teaching at the prophet schools, just like the young Yoda. Elijah, number four, was taken to heaven in a fiery chariot, right? Supernaturally. Elisha died an old natural death. Number five, the most important difference in their miracles is the character of their miracles. The miracles of Elijah are about death and destruction and judgment, while the miracles of Elisha are about healing and restoration. Elijah is all about judgment for those who broke the law. Elisha is all about grace. Now you know why I decided to study Elisha, right? Because I always talk about grace. We're always talking about how God restores us. But if you pictured Elijah's ministry... If you drew a picture of it, it would be a tornado. Tornadoes were always hanging around wherever Elijah was. <clears throat> and if you had a picture for Elisha's ministry, it would be a dove, gentle and kind. That's Elisha. Elijah came to destroy and fight evil in the land. Elisha is a ministry of teaching people to receive God's mercy and grace. Big difference. Big difference. So what does this all mean to us? There's two types of ministry. There's law and grace. Some of you may have grown up at a church that was very law-centered. It was almost like you thought Elijah was the pastor. 
And he was always talking about, you can't go to that. You can't watch that. You can't do this. And I'm fighting against the evil in this world and the evil in Denver. Everyone stop smoking your weed. Everyone stop being bad. Well, there's a, there's a place for that. I understand. There's another way to do ministry now. A ministry of grace. We don't say, oh, it's fine, smoke your weed. It's fine, do your bad things, have your adultery, it's all good. That is not what we say. We teach people how to receive God's mercy and grace so that they can live a God-honoring life from their heart, not from their efforts, from their heart. 1 John 1.5, 1 John 1.5 says, This is the message which we heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Very important in church is hearing about God's light. God is light. That means he must hate sin. And we need to talk about that. God hates sin. A couple weeks ago when I taught, we talked about wrath of God and and all that. God hates sin. He must punish sin. He may never let a single sin go unpunished. It's the only right way to do things. And Elijah would be like, yeah, let's preach it. Let's do that. Let's talk about that. Just imagine if you were the one offended. you you got to understand, this is the right way to do things. Let's say you had someone do something really wrong to you. Let's say they, they, they killed your child. That's, that's brutal, right? What are you going to do? You're going to demand justice. And it would be right for you to demand justice for that situation, Right? I mean, you're not going to say, oh, boys will be boys. You killed my kid. Okay. No, you want that sin punished. And it's right for you to want that sin punished. Well, God is in that position all the time. He's offended all the time in bigger ways than someone killing his kid. He's offended about everything because he's perfect and we're not. So he is light and he must punish sin. This is the law. It's very important. Elijah's ministry was very important. He came with a message of, you are all sinners and you've broken God's law. And the the nation needed to hear that. And they they were just thinking everything was fine. And God's like, we're not okay. You guys have messed up. Then we read Proverbs 6.33. Proverbs 6.33. For the commandment, or the law, is a lamp, and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So there we see that the law is called a lamp in the Bible. The light, when you're shining light on someone, they don't like it when you say, you're a sinner. Now, can you say that lovingly? Can you say it like a jerk? Yeah, let's not do that. Let's say it lovingly. You're a sinner. Well, I didn't know I was a sinner. 
you're mean for calling me a sinner. No, 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 no. I'm not being mean. We need light. We need light. Let me shine some light. Well, what do the cockroaches do when you turn on the light? They run away. All right. Do you clean your kitchen? Well, good. There shouldn't be cockroaches there. What are you doing? But you know, especially in New York, right? Got them big ones in New York, right? Ugh. Gross. Well, the light is, is uncomfortable when we are dirty. We don't like people shining the light on us, saying, look at your problems, look at your problems. But that's what the law does. That's what Elijah did. And guess what? People didn't like Elijah very much, did they? Mm. All right. Well, the second part is that God is also love. God is light. We have to know that we're dirty sinners. But God is also love. He restores and heals. He provides and protects. In 2 John 1.3, it says, Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. God is love. And so he gives grace. That's the word that connects those two for us. So the two sides of God's nature, his, his wrath and his love, are both given to us through these two prophets of Elijah and Elisha. Both sides are important for us to know. You can't just know God as a God of wrath and judgment. Or you'll never depend on him for his mercy. And you can't just know God as a God of grace or you won't know how much you need him. Vengeance and mercy meet, law and grace, and it's perfect when they meet and we know both sides. So while people are, so while these are two different people, Elijah and Elisha, with very different personalities and very different gifts, they're going to teach us uh, and give us a complete picture about God and all his character. How's that going to work? God will judge wicked nations. That's what Elijah said. That's what the law says. Wickedness will be judged, but he will never, ever leave or abandon his people, and he will help those who belong to him. And that is Elisha, and that is grace. What a perfect God. What a perfect plan. He can make all things right. He can judge sin and still save sinners. He can do them both. So we get a more perfect picture of God and who God is and what God does looking at both of these guys than if we just knew one of them. Isn't that interesting? There's kind of this distortion that happens when Christians don't understand all of God's character. When they only see the law, when you grew up in a legalistic church or you had legalistic parents who just taught you the law, you live in fear of performance failure. You grow up thinking, I don't know why that's doing that. You grow up thinking that God is more concerned about what you do than who you are. And that is not God's character. It's a distortion. Is God concerned about sin? Yes. Is it all he's concerned about? No. 
But when they only see God's grace, they will not sense their need for the saving life of Jesus on a daily basis. So if you grew up knowing nothing about the law, never knowing when you disappoint God, when you offend God, and no one ever told you that's wrong, then you don't know how much you need him. It's a big deal also, a distortion, a perversion, not okay. If you don't know how much you need him, why are you going to call out to him? And that's how we have a lot of people in our country today living. They need to know both sides of God's character. And the last thing we need to see today is what each of these men represent for us. Elijah is the master. Elisha is the servant. One follows the other. Elijah took care of the wrath of God so that Elisha could minister the grace of God to the people of the land. So the people didn't have to live in the fear of the law anymore. So did you get that? Elijah comes first and he takes care of the wrath of God so that Elisha could come and spread God's grace and God's mercy to the people. Of course, Elijah represents Jesus. And Elisha represents the church. The church. And this is going to be a big theme that we're going to spend a lot of weeks unfolding. And we're going to see the amazing beauty of this picture. These are types. These are foreshadows, these two prophets. But the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit was giving us this book in 2 Kings, is very intentional to record things so that we could discover them as he teaches them to us. As we read with open hearts, we're going to see this is very clear from the Lord. They both show us the character of God, but in very different ways. And it's not that the church only brings God's grace. I mean... We have to teach people the law as well. But bringing God's grace is where the church is really effective. It's where God really uses the church. It's our main ministry. And it's not that Jesus only dealt with the law, but that is what he took care of, is our performance to the law. Do you know the church is never told to go and create perfectly obedient people to the law? Jesus took care of that for us. So now the church can go and teach people how his life can come into us and we can live obedient lives. But that's a, that's a, it's a side effect and not the goal. No church should ever have, we obey the law as our number one goal. It is a side effect. Now, if it's not happening, there is big problems with your relationship with God. And if it is happening, there's some good things with your relationship with God happening. 
But Jesus, he took care of the law for us so the Father could give grace to the church so that we could serve the world. Jesus took care of the wrath of God for us. And now the church serves the people of the world by miraculously blessing them as we shall see. God did miracles through Jesus. Great and wonderful things. The greatest of all being his taking our sin on the cross, right? Just like God did a lot of miracles through Elijah. He did 14. But he does twice as many miracles through Elisha. 28 total. Isn't that crazy? God has every intention of fulfilling this type of Elisha in our day in Colorado. He wants us to be like Elisha. There are so many miracles that are directly related to grace. All of these miracles we're going to study are related to grace. They're about God's grace and his love. And we need to study them so that we know how to minister these to these people that we're around. These people are hurting. We're hurting. We need to see God's miracles. And by the time we're done, you are going to know the character and heart of God better. And we will be wholly dependent on supernatural miracles of God in our life. Miracles are not something we're supposed to leave to the Pentecostals. It is, and I'm not a Pentecostal. But as I read the Bible, I see God expects us to depend on him for miraculous things. What was that first verse we read? It is God who does miracles among you. This should be common. We will learn how to identify the miracles that God has already wrought in our lives and to expect and receive future blessings from his loving hand. Our first verse was Galatians 3.5. And it said, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And Romans 10.17 says, So faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. And so we are going to learn how Elisha trusted the word of God by faith to receive the Spirit and the miracles that glorify God. And we're not seeking miracles that glorify us, that bless us. We desire the God of heaven to be glorified, not us. We want people to be saved and healed from hurts and addictions. Those are miracles. We want to see dead people given life. We want to see unfruitful people made fruitful. We want to see use, un, uh, we want a supernatural purpose for living. We want to see backsliding people brought back to Jesus. We want to see answers to our prayer. And those few things I just mentioned, those are some of the lessons from the miracles that we're going to study. Those are just some of the grace miracles that we are going to study in this series. We're going to call them grace miracles. 
Because God's grace, which is promised to us, produces miracles. And we see them all pictured for us. And someone is dying downstairs. <laughs> it's okay, we can do a miracle. Just kidding. Some of the ways that God teaches us these grace miracles are hilarious. I mean, some are bizarre, some are easy to grasp, and some are harder. Some you really have to think, and so we're going we're gonna to dive in and see what happens. But they're all given to us, nonetheless, to study and to glean as much from them as we can. It's the Word of God. So it builds our faith and propels us to live a life of faith, the life that God intends for his children to live. A life of grace miracles. Amen? Amen. All right, that's our study for today. Our intro to the miracles of Elisha. So get ready. All right? We have a lot of times where we can get together this week. If you are alone and you can't make it to any of those things, you can send me a prayer request on our, on our app, on the smartphones, if you download the White Flag Calvary app, and we'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Uh, you can send me an email or a call if you have anything going on this week. You want prayer or help or advice or anything like that. We're here for you guys, and we're praying that God will put someone in your heart to bring out to next week's study. When we learn, at, we'll learn about Elisha and his call and his testings, we're going to look at a whole bunch of areas in his life. So we're going to stand up. We're going to sing a song. Come on up. And we have communion available over here. So during this song, as you're ready, just come down and, and take communion and remind yourself of how the Lord has bought you and how he's given his life for you and given his body even for you. And anyone who believes that and has received that and, and confesses that they need the Lord, you are absolutely welcome to come and take communion. And uh, if you don't know what that means and you need to talk to someone, I'll be right here in the front row and you can ask me a question about that if you need to. Uh, but this is something that you say, I know Jesus and I believe in him and so I'm receiving his life into me by faith. So it's really good for us. So let's, let's pray. Father, we come to you with humility, Lord, and with faith. And I thank you, God, that we don't have to be anything special for you to reach down into our lives and touch us. For you to send your son to us, we didn't have to earn it. And Lord Jesus, you are the greatest miracle. And, and Father, we want to receive all that Jesus has to give us. And the only thing that limits Father, what you want to do in our lives is our own doubt. You are perfectly willing to give us all the life of Jesus and all of his grace. And Lord, we, we just limit you so much. And I'm sorry. Lord, I want to believe your word and, and I want to have faith and take it for the promises that you have. I want to believe them for my own life. Lord, we want to trust you. We want to grow in a life that honors you, in a life that is spiritually vibrant and powerful, Lord. We want others to know that they can ask us to pray and God hears our prayers. And God, you will respond to the prayer of a righteous man's faith. <laughs>
we love you, Lord, and we pray that you'd help us and that you would transform us. In your name we pray. Amen.